What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Other horn is Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and Abraham are playing against him. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, we're back and celebrating another championship of sorts, eh? Yeah, man. You know, uh, as we do this signing day show, I I think back to the pre-Saban days when we were probably following it very closely each evening and even reading all the interviews from the different recruits that, you know, that Rodney Orr would post. And we were probably hanging on this stuff four or five days a week and having a lot of lost productive work hours. And I remember it being a big deal if we would get a four-star player in the class. And so I found myself earlier today looking at a link someone had provided with where the five stars had signed this morning. And I was like, isn't this funny? I'm just kind of checking out where the five stars of the 28 undecided five stars are going versus when I used to like make a big deal when we had a four-star player. So it's a, it's a, you know, the, the cupboards are definitely full with coach Saban as we knew they would be. Yeah. It's one of those things, right? I mean, when we used to follow it, you know, back in, in another time, you know, top top ranked players at their position and and five star recruits. You know, they were unicorns, and now we eat unicorn steak, right? I mean, that's kind of where we are now. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely you know, and, and some some services will say that we had three or four three stars in this class, and um, you know, everything else is above that, which is definitely an awesome thing. Yeah, and. Um, it just it just speaks to what we've said when he first got here and why Alabama was so smart to bring this guy in and you know kudos to to Mal Moore that that he had the foresight to to do what he did. Yeah, it's it's one of those and and this becomes sort of our mythical uh you know annual recruiting show kind of story but you know when we sat down to do uh you know for sort of a post bowl game, you know, new coaching, you know, recruiting kind of wrap up show. 
you know, a couple of years ago, and I think it was Saban's, you know, second or third year, and and we talked about, you know, there was reports that, you know, over the last three years, Alabama was the only team that had um, three top ten finishes in, in recruiting, and they were all even at that point, you know, in the top three, but the only school in the top ten. And we were just sort of just flabbergasted at that. And, you know, that was six years ago. And we've been within the top three every year since then. And so what we thought was monumental was only the foundation to, you know, to even what out came today. And it's just it gets more and more amazing, more and more unbelievable, but uh, almost, you know, at the same time, more and more expected. So I don't know how to reconcile those two things, but, you know, that's the world we live in, right? No, absolutely, man. I'll tell you one other quick thing that I thought about is, you know, you just have to trust the process, as Saban says, and you just have to trust his screening process of what he's looking for. Because, I, you know, I think back to the days where we had players like B.J. Scott, who was a highly heralded number one athlete in the country, five-star player out of Viger High School, who – when he got to the university for different things and injuries and different things that he had to overcome, you know, he ended up finishing his career elsewhere. And you think of guys like Tyler Love, who was the number one offensive tackle in the nation, five-star player that, you know, never really contributed at the University of Alabama. And so what I really like about how Saban does things is this year he has the highest average ranking per player class as opposed to just the top class. And if we go back and look at the past five or six years, his average star rating is typically like 3.96, right? It's like right at four stars. And Saban gets the fact that you're not going to hit on every one, right? And so, you know, Stuart Mandel put a a great piece out, um, you know, formerly with Sports Illustrated this week where he was breaking down people's research on the five-star, the four-star, and the three-star. And the bottom line of his research is, yes, the stars matter. And when it comes to five stars, one out of every four are going to be a significant contributor early. And one out of 64, three stars, is going to be a significant contributor early. And so when you look at Saban's class based on that number and his average stars is 3.95, you're like, well, damn, you know, we're really doing something here. And, and that's what I guess I want to you know, mention now instead of at the end of the show for the listeners is, is that he's getting a, a high-quality class depth-wise, which is why he can run 12 defensive linemen out there on the field. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, 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 it's, and it's balance even within that balance, right? I, he's not looking at just the top guys and then just whoever he can get, right? He's looking for quality through – the, the entire class, and so there's balance there. But then there's a balance sort of distributed across who he's getting and the positions that he's filling. And, you know, and, and so I'm such a wonk. I, I keep all of my sort of handwritten notes that I make for these shows, and I went back and, and looked at the last couple of recruiting classes that we did, and, and sure enough, the pattern presents itself. Uh, you know, this year we, uh, we signed 25 recruits, 12 on offense, 13 on defense. But wait. It's not that's not all, you know, on offense, one quarterback, five linemen, two running backs, two receivers, two tight ends on defense, four defensive linemen, four linebackers, one safety, four cornerbacks. 
you know, there's your team, right? And so every every year you're signing a new sort of roster, right? A new starting lineup, so to speak, right? A new starting 22 with some of your, you know, your flexibility uh, points. And so you do that every year, every year, every year, and you never have a position that you're really weak at unless you're sort of transitioning. Uh, you know, you can have players leave early, you can have injuries, anything, you know, you can have those types of things, but you're planning in such a way that you're always going to have depth ready to go in place. No, I agree, man. And you also have to look, you know, I just happened to be looking at the, the ESPN, uh, you know, they're, they call it the ESPN 300 from 2015 here as, as we were starting this call. And I also want to point out that, you know, ESPN doesn't hand out a lot of five stars. Um, I'm looking at this list, and last year they had 25 stars, uh, their top 20 players. Everybody below that, you know, started dropping at four stars. Well, last year, subjectively from all these people, which is why I think Saban doesn't love some of this process, your number one wide receiver in last year's class uh, with ESPN was Calvin Ridley. And he was at number 23. So he was the number one wide receiver on their board, but he was still listed as a four-star, and he was still listed as number 23. A Minka Fitzpatrick was listed as the third top cornerback, also a four-star, as the number 27 player. And finally, Damian Harris was listed as the number two running back with them versus one with some other services. And he was a four-star, and he was listed as the 36th player. I say that real quick to mention that Damon Harris, because of where he came to play, right, he didn't really contribute the way he would have liked to as he could have in a Kentucky Wildcat uniform, right? And a Calvin Ridley, by, by many, if we – if ESPN could reshuffle their top 30 from last year now, do you think sure. Calvin Ridley would still be number 23? Yeah. And Minka so, too, so my, right? Yeah. So, so my point is he was their number one wide receiver. They weren't saying anything bad about him. They just chose to rank other positions higher than they did wide receiver last year. So as we do this show tonight, it's also important for us to think about what pieces we already have on this team because of the depth that we have and the resources that we have. And that also comes into play with Saban, right? Saban's smart enough to know that he signed Blake Barnett last year, and he's smart enough to know he signed Damian Harris, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's interesting as well. Yeah, I think so, right? And if you go in looking to sign sort of a balanced class every time, then, uh, you know, that sort of builds upon itself, and you're not just chasing chasing – either shiny objects in one direction or chasing a miss in another direction. And so, uh, but I agree. Why, and, and I like the way you kind of set up for uh, us kind of diving in and talking about some of the players. Uh, you know, I think we've got a couple of categories we want to step through and, and let's start with day one contributors. And, and uh, you know, the way you set that up is perfect, right? That doesn't necessarily mean these guys are going to be the next Calvin Ridley and Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, it may mean that they're the next Darren Payne, right? That's a freshman that comes in and contributes. And so it doesn't mean superstar status, but uh, not necessarily. But it certainly means uh, an opportunity to come in and fit a void 
uh, or a potential void or opportunity that exists on the team. So why don't we walk through, uh, you know, you probably got two or three guys in mind. I probably got two or three guys in mind. We probably got some of the same guys in mind. And we'll kind of net out with probably three or four guys that we think uh, are going to be uh, have the potential to be day one contributors uh, from this year's signing class. And I'll kick it over to you. Why don't you give me the give me your first one? Well, man, I um I am so confident that you will not have my first one uh, that I'm going to steal your first one, <laughs> and um, I am going to guess your first one is no other than Charles Baldwin. Yeah, am I think I correct. Well, you know, I've got a couple kind of kind of grouped, but uh, I, I I think he's an easy pick, right? I mean, anytime he you is, pick a man. juco a yeah. juco tackle. Uh, where we're losing a JUCO tackle in in Dom, uh, I mean, I'll kind of let you finish the thought there, but that's that's an easy one, right? No, it is. But what's interesting is is is, is I got to give some props to some of the guys I listened to here the, over the past few days, just to hear the, you know, what was on the airwaves. I I was very I was very happy to hear that, uh, and it's probably because Alabama is a perennial dynasty that they had some of these facts so readily available, but. I love how they were telling the listeners, you know, names like James Carpenter. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's not that long ago, right? But you look at James Carpenter and you look at Dominic Jackson and you look at, you know, Coach Saban, one of his MOs, (laughs) you know, as you you were mentioning uh, the balance on offense and defense, you know, we got to start calling his his, – you know, his his ace of spades in his uh, poker hand – is um, let me go find, you know, one of the top two JUCO offensive tackles in the country. And um, if we go back and look at all these classes, man, this is becoming one of his MOs. And um, I, I just think it's brilliant. I won't say brilliant. I'm wondering why more coaches don't try to do this. Or I wonder the writing on the wall. Okay, take Charles Baldwin. I'd love to know how many perennial big schools went after the kid. What I mean by that is, is over the past several years, you see Saban gets the number one ranked JUCO offensive tackle, right? Well, lots of football programs have offensive linemen who don't shake out, who don't get where they want them to be quick enough, et cetera. You and I both know two of the hardest positions, the three hardest positions to fill in the offensive line is the center, the left tackle, and then the right tackle. And so – I wonder why more teams don't do this because Saban seems to be having a great deal of success. You know, I'd say right now he might be four out of the last five at this position. And, um, you know, take Dominic Jackson. We thought Dominic Jackson was going to come in and and start on day one. And to Austin Shepard's credit, he didn't. And so it's like Coach Saban is like, he's he's putting some insurance there, right? He's like, I got me a guy who can bring some competition against all these young high school freshmen who are now juniors, and I'm just going to let Battle Royale happen and see who wins the, the job at right tackle. Is it going to be a Charles Baldwin this year, or is it going to be you know some guy who's in his third year at Alabama who pops on the scene and everybody's like, who are you? So um, this is just what Saban does every year, man. I think uh, I, I hope he lives up to his billing. Yeah, it keeps everybody on their toes, right? I mean, the the guy that's been that's been in the system that thinks that they're just going to inherit the position, uh, you know, they have. It's like they're going to the next round of battle, right? Now I've got to battle this JUCO that 
that just came in and took a different path and, and is coming in expecting to start. And so, you know, the, those guys have to uh, have to battle it out. And so, you know, you have two guys that might otherwise expect that they're going to just waltz into the job. You know, they have to come in and compete for it. And uh, and so part of it's competition, part of it's getting the best guys uh, available. But, uh, you know, he has quite a track record at uh, at at the JUCOs and and especially across the offensive line. You know, Jane Carpenter is a good one. You know, we can talk about Leon Brown and and you know we've talked a little bit about the good and a little bit about bad about him. You know, there was the Aaron Douglas situation. Of course, that was you know that sort of ended in in, in a little bit of tragic situation there. But but uh, you know he goes. You know, the MO is there, right? Just like you said, he goes and gets these guys and he fosters the competition, builds out his roster. And, uh, yeah, in, in terms of picking day one contributors from the signing class, Charles Baldwin is, uh, you know, that's low-hanging fruit. But, uh, you know, it certainly uh, should be at the top of anyone's board because, you know, if you're paying attention to what Saban does, you know, uh, you know, pretty obvious there. Well, I will, uh, also, I will also tell you real quick before you give me a player that, you know, as we looked at last year's depth on this team, right, for all the good recruiting classes that he's had, right, consistently, on last year's two deep, we had a converted defensive lineman at left tackle in Corin Curvin, and we had a converted uh, offensive lineman moved to tight end and back to offensive line in Brandon Green at right tackle. So, you know, for whatever reason, he understands that this is a this is an ongoing. I won't say problem, but I'll just say in the past five years, I never remember a year where we have the second team guy that we say you're definitely going to be the guy when the senior graduates. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think there's going to be a lot of competition. I think Baldwin's going to be in the two deep. And and you make a good point, right? I mean, you know, we're looking at opportunities in the two deep because, you know, God bless it, Corin Curvin, but I, I don't think and, – and we've talked about it. I don't yeah. think either of us expected necessarily that he was going to be in the two deep. And Brandon Green, we've kind of moved him around. Uh, you know, mostly out of necessity at a couple of different positions. And so, but they're, uh, but they're, but they're your two deep tackles, David, on a football team that's won four out of the last seven national championships. Yep. You wouldn't say that, right? No. You wouldn't think that. So give me, give me your next player. Give me your player. Yeah. And so all this talk about Juco, I'm, I guess I'm going to zig, uh, instead of zag. But, uh, you know, I tell you the guy that probably impresses me as much as anyone out of this entire class. I'm so excited watching uh, his high school film, and I'm so excited to see what uh, what he's going to do when he gets to to campus. But uh, that's the Hulk, uh, Kendall Jones, 6'5", 360-pound uh, uh, lineman, is just so, so quick off the line. And I know some of the film, he's doing it against high school kids, and, and you know, some of that probably isn't fair. But his first step is probably as quick as I have seen from uh, from a big man. Uh, you know, we can talk about Cody, but this guy I think is faster. He's not as big, but he's faster uh, than Cody with this first step. I mean, he was taking swim moves that were so quick that that he wasn't even touching the offensive lineman. Uh, you know, they couldn't they couldn't have blocked him in like literally two hand touch because he was getting you know past double teams almost before he could be touched. And uh, and and he's he's as big and powerful as he is. He's going to be a brute force. I think he's a day one contributor. Well, I was being sarcastic a minute ago because that's who I was going to start with. But I knew that the love fest, um, you know, uh, my buddy Dave here finds a player listeners that he can connect to on day one. And I kind of knew this kid was going to be that guy. And 
you know, some services have him at, at 350 pounds and some services have him at 375 pounds. And, you know, I hope he, I hope he, uh, I hope, he, I hope neither one of those are true, but when you look at the kid, he does, he looks like his body fat competition's about 1.8%. <laughs> and, um, it's just really ridiculous that, you know, um, that he has that kind of body, um, at this young age. And I, I love the fact that, you know, coach Saban probably got on him a lot sooner than a lot of other players, uh, other teams did. And let's face it. Uh, the kid, you know, while he's playing high school football, um, he is playing in a state called TX for its, you know, abbreviation and Texas football is pretty serious. And so, uh, you know, I will say, you know, teams, people might see, oh, he was ranked the 39th player in his state. Yeah, but that's because it was from freaking the state of Texas. And so uh, they play big boy football over there. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, agree with you that, as Jim McElwain likes to call it, our, our front 30, uh, he will be in our front 30 for sure. Yeah, he's he's in the he's in the rotation without a doubt, and I think he may compete for a starting job. And so, I don't I don't know why you thought I I would sort of latch onto this guy, but man, you're spot on because as I was going through it and I was going through it and I was going through it, I kept coming back. This might be my favorite guy in this class, you know. As we sit, you know, check back in two years, but as we sit here right now, Kendall Jones, I mean, but maybe my favorite in this entire class. Well, what I really love about the kid because we obviously haven't gotten to know him, you know, much yet is that he committed May 22nd of last year. There was no drama. Yep. He's not a five-star prima donna. I'm not saying five stars are prima donnas, but he's not a prima donna, not, right? Yeah. And, and, he, and he knew in May where he wanted to commit. And the other thing to me that's a real green flag about this kid is he only had one official visit. And so he had basically 12 schools listed on his board. And he only had one official visit. He could have taken five. He could have been wined and dined by five places. He could have been on five airplanes. And he didn't. So that makes me hope the boy says, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in Ashawn Robinson's footsteps and I know where I want to go and let's just get started and let's get after it. Well and, uh, I know, think that's awesome. Hey, let's be realistic, man. If you're eighteen years old and you have the opportunity to go to these different college campuses and be treated the way that we probably would imagine some of these recruits are treated. Um, hey, man, I don't want to take every one of those trips. I'm I could. with you. I'm with you. But the fact that he didn't, the fact that he's right. been committed since May and he only took one visit, which tells me he knew what he wanted, yep. which, which makes me think he's got laser focus, a good head on his shoulders, and that excites me. Oh yeah, it definitely speaks to his maturity. I'm, I'm. I, it's a maturity that that some would say I lack today, and I certainly didn't have then. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so so as far as uh and, and obviously you know let me let me say here real quick with the day one contributor you know i just want to tell the listeners real quick i remember an image in 2009 and i remember in the first home game in bryant denny i remember looking over um on the sideline and i see three guys standing side by side they all have their helmets on their chin straps are buttoned up they got their hands up there, up on the neck of their shoulder pads. Mm -hmm. And I see Drake or Patrick, number one cornerback in the nation, five-star. Trent Richardson, number one running back in the nation, five-star. 
Um, DJ Fluker, number one offensive tackle in the nation, five-star. And all three of these guys couldn't get on the field. Right. And that was in 2009, right? The empire had not been built at that point the way it is today. So, so while this is fun to discuss, obviously you and I both know day one contributors will, will hopefully be a uh, few and far between. Um, before you steal another one of mine, um, I'm going to go ahead and do another uh, obvious one. I'll let you do the uh, obscure ones. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pick our boy, Ben Davis, um, which okay. is a very easy pick. And, um, and I say this because, you know, we had that big linebacker class, right, that Reggie Ragland came out of, correct? And, and, and literally in that class, we had five stud linebackers. And none of them could really see the field because of the complexity of the defensive scheme. So this is a little bit of a, of a reach for me because not many true freshman linebackers really get to, to contribute early. And I think this kid's going to. And, um, and I think that part of it has to do with the, the, the amount of, the amount of uh, people we are losing on this year's team. Um, uh, he's got the prototypical size. Uh, he's got the versatility to cover against the pass. He's got the understanding of, I think, picking up the playbook. And, um, I think this guy is going to be a contributor from day one. You know, I think, and, and definitely he was on my list in, in this category, but, you know, I kind of, I kind of put a question mark to it and it's, and it's, I mean, it's certainly nothing against him. I think he has all the all the tools, all, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be a very good linebacker. But what I, what I couldn't get over is trying to think back who was the last contributing linebacker as a freshman under Saban. And is it Roe McLean? Is it that, does it go that far back? No, man, we had, um, we had Trey DePriest. Who okay. Had to, yep. Who, yep. Trey, Trey DePriest had to step in in week seven or eight due to injuries and uh he stepped in as a true freshman and and we were kind of surprised that he did but when you you know when when the listeners y'all look at this class and you look at these two stud linebackers and 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 you know we talk about these gets well you know just to finish all the names in that class real quick we've got fifth year or excuse me we've got Dylan Lee senior gone Reggie Ragland senior gone yeah Denzel Denzel Duvall senior gone um you know we we've got um we've got ryan anderson who obviously you know is a class behind them who i thought was in that same class uh and i may be mistaken but i thought he was in that same class but we we have several linebackers on this team who are graduating and um i think the time is right and so unlike a trader priest who contributed halfway through the season uh, I think this guy's going to be definitely in the two deep from day one. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I know CJ Mosley played some as a freshman. Uh, you know, kind of came on here and there, and then uh, Depreece was maybe the one that I, that I was missing. And so, um, so yeah, Ben Davis, I, that's a good pick. I think that uh, there's a there's certainly a need, and I think he has the talent. Um, and uh, you know, I think he has an opportunity to to get in there. Um, I'm going to give you uh, BJ Emmons. As uh, and is maybe my last one in this category. 
you know, 230 pound running back. Uh, if we look at our roster right now at running back, I think we're, uh, I think we're thin. Um, you know, we're going to have Bo and we're going to have Damian, uh, both freshmen, both with limited uh, experience. They have more experience than obviously uh, BJ will coming in, but um, I, ju- I just think, you know, we're going to be looking for some depth there and he's not going to be so far behind them and they're not established and entrenched. You know, this will be the first year that we've not had an entrenched incumbent in the number one spot, you know, for quite a while. If you go, you know, Derek and then Yeldon and then Lacey and then Trent and then Mark, I mean, how long has it been since, we, since you know, we've not had a clear cut and everyone says Bo, but that's just because we we like to think and hope that it's Bo. Well, we don't know that because we've not seen him, you know, do the things that, you know, the other guys had, right, to clearly establish himself. And so I think not having seen that, the need to sort of build up some depth where we, where we haven't had it, uh, I, I think BJ has an opportunity, a unique opportunity to come in as a freshman and, and really get into the rotation. And I would count that as a day one uh, contribution at the position. Okay. Well, um, I definitely um, – I, I will say for him, I kind of had him in my red shirt bucket. Okay. Um, and, and that's probably more hopeful that the other two guys will will be the, the two-headed dragon uh, that Saban likes to use. But like you said, that's very unproven right now. Um, if BJ was getting there – you know, he's still got some things he's got to clean up before uh, before the fall, um, which I hope he'll be able to do. Um, but definitely, um, if he was in, if he was one of the seven early enrollees, uh, I, I think I'd go more your way. Um, but I think right now, um, I've, you know, I uh, I hope you're right because I've heard he's really good out of the backfield, uh, has good hands and uh, might be a little bit more of an all-around back already uh, than some of our previous guys who have, you know, come to campus um, who have not had, you know, some of the pass protection and some of the uh, hands uh, out of the backfield on day one. Um, but we'll just have to see. I just think there's going to be an opportunity, right? I think if you take uh, with with Damian and Bo, and I'm making this up, and we're going to see how the season plays out, but if we get back to the rotating possessions like – you know, like we did with Mark and Trent and, and, and Yeldon and Lacey. And, and, and so, you know, they get in a two possession, two possession, two possession, two possession, you know, kind of, kind of back and forth. Then you get into, you know, the midway through the third and we're up on teams. Then, you know, how do you sort of rotate someone into that mix? I think, I think we will be looking for someone. And so we may have the two sort of frontline guys, but we'll be looking for someone else. And that very easily could be a capable, true freshman uh, to come in and be that third guy that will have a distinct role, you know, in our sort of our back, if we go back to the rotation model. I mean, how blessed were we? Think about the days when the rotation was Mark and Trent, and then the late game back was Lacey. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Can you do that at one school? <laughs> we did somehow. We absolutely. And the guys did. that come after that are Yeldon and Henry. I mean, are, I mean, I don't know. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, you just those five guys, right? We could, we could, you know, and, and they and and we're not called running back. You, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um. 
So, so give me the first, explain the, set up the next category for the listeners and, and give me your first one there. Yeah. So next category is, is, you know, I, I call it kind of the career achievement and, and there's no knock on that, right? I mean, you come into some positions and there's just a log jam. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. Uh, there's, there's talent in front of you. There's incumbent talent. And so you're probably going to redshirt, but still have the opportunity for a miraculous career. And so the poster child for this is an A.J. McCarron, right? Clearly he was not going to start. And this doesn't mean that it's a quarterback-specific position, but, you know, you know, you mentioned three guys, right? Dre and Trent and and uh, and Fluka, right? Those are those are good examples where they come in and, and don't they start. Were they were stunned. Yeah. But they, but they redshirt, but by, you know, but they just, they have an outstanding career kind of, you know, by the time it's over. And, and so, uh, you know, that's kind of this, that's kind of this next position. And I've got, you know, a handful of guys that, that can fit in here. And, you know, again, there's kind of, there's kind of maybe an easy one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, and I mean, I hope I say his name correctly. Cause I gotta, you know, I'm bad about that. I gotta, I gotta learn, but, uh, uh Nigel not, uh, the, the cornerback, um, I think he has supreme talent. I think he's incredible. Uh, I think an incredible athlete, and some of the videos that I've seen of him are, are quite impressive. I think he comes into a, a, a position where we do have a little bit of a logjam. Now, we play a lot of cornerbacks. Uh, hell, we played a dime, you know, with with five corners and six corners, you know, kind of in, you know, in different sort of alignments. And so there's a lot of opportunity, but, um, you know, he may be – a little bit smaller, he may benefit by a year in the weight room and a year at kind of letting the position kind of clear itself up a little bit. But I think by the time it's all said and done, he's going to be another one of the great cornerbacks to come out of Alabama. And uh, and so the guy that I would put sort of in the career achievement uh, list is, uh, you know, a Nigel Knott. Now, but with your career achievement, right, he just has to redshirt his first year um, but he could easily still contribute in year two, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm really yeah, Marlon Humphrey is a great example, right? I mean, there was sure. no room for him on the field as a freshman. As a redshirt freshman, he's a starter. Yeah. Well, I'm so really shocked. Really, one contribution, but don't tell me he's not a contributing player. Don't tell me he's not going to have a great career, right? Well, I'm really, I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of you, dude. I, I kind of gave you a layup. I let you go first. <laughs> Um, and I, this, this, I thought really was a shoe in. So I, I guess, you know, you, you, you took mine to start with and you didn't take this one. So I'm going to go ahead and take it before you take it. Um, and, and I think this is the poster child in this year's class for, for red shirt because of log jam. Um, and that's Terrell Hall. Um, okay. I, I think Terrell Hall is a kid that is that, um, Xavier Dixon mold. He is the prototypical six five six six rangy kid. Uh, he comes in listed at two fifty right now. Um, you know he was a number one player in his state. Um, you know he had several very well respected schools on this kid. Uh, I think this was a big kit, big get for out. This is the rich getting richer. This is the kind of crap that's got to piss off Florida and Florida State and Ole Miss and other schools that got him on campus because they had to show this kid the depth we have in our front seven, right? 
they had to show this kid. They had to say, look, we want to introduce you. We want to introduce you to a couple players on the 2015 University of Alabama football team. We want to introduce you to Tim Williams. And here's some video of Tim Williams. And here's some video of Rashawn Evans. And you're not going to see the field, boy, because of 32 and 56. Well, by damn, Saban still got the kid. And I don't think we'll see the kid on the field this year. I think Alabama hopes we don't see the kid on the field this year because of Ryan Anderson and Dalvin Tomlinson and and uh, Jonathan Allen. And, and oh, by the way, the, the guy that everybody forgot about, Deshaun Hand, um, but but he 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 will bust on the scene next year. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I think you're. I think there's a potential that you're right. I think that you know the irony is, if other teams are going to show <clears throat> Tim Williams film as as a motivation to 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 lure this kid away from Alabama, guess what Alabama is doing? Alabama showing him Tim Williams film, saying yes. you know yes. he 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 was top five in the country in sacks and played maybe a third of the time. Do you think you could probably be good enough to get a third of the snaps, defensive snaps? Maybe, probably you could. And, in fact, this is who you are. You are Tim Williams just showing up on campus day one about 15 or 20 pounds heavier. And so where he was a clear red shirt because he wasn't big enough to go, you're already big enough to go. You're already almost as big as he is now. And if your first step can be near what his first step is, then yeah, you can get twenty percent. You can you can potentially even as a freshman get ten to fifteen uh, to eighteen percent of the defensive snaps and um, and and contribute. So that same footage that t- that teams are using against Alabama, I just think Alabama says great. That's awesome because we're going to use that footage to recruit him. No, absolutely. I just uh, <clears throat> I just really think that that this is a kid that. You know, you look at a Deshaun Hand who was listed at 6'4", 273, who, you know, I'd have to go back and check and see where he was when he got here, but he was probably in that 250 range. And um, I just think that this is this is the rich getting richer. Uh, this, is, this is Alabama saying, you know, we're getting our stud edge rush, rusher two years ahead of time. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, I would put him as is potentially a day one contributor, but certainly in the career category. Uh, you know, and I and I think that I think he because his body weight today, I think he's Tim Williams 2.0, uh, and and on a faster track because he's already got that 20 pounds uh, underneath him, and so it still wouldn't hurt him to redshirt, but uh, I th- I think there's an opportunity for him to do something day one. Give me, uh, give me, give me your next guy that you've uh, that you've got listed there. You know, I really have my eye on, and there's so many guys, right? And so when we don't list someone, it doesn't mean we don't like them. It's just we're picking a handful of guys. If you listen to our show, you know that we could spend the next three hours talking about these guys, and 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 we're not. And so we're just kind of we're just kind of going off a, a short list. But uh, I tell you that Jared Maben, uh, the cornerback. He kind of jumps out to me um, as as a career guy, and again, another cornerback. But you know, he's six foot two oh two, and so he's a big cornerback. Uh, you know, is he an Eddie Williams kind of guy? And so, is he a guy that when we really move these big cornerbacks into 
uh, a, a safety position so that really we have more coverage ability and more speed on the field. Does he really play sort of a hybrid, uh, you know, Eddie Williams type position? And I don't know what we call that, right? A free safety, strong safety, uh, you know, sort of a corner safety uh, position. But I, I see, you know, Saban saying, look, I've got this template of now how I'm going to run the defense. I'm going to go get guys that fit these new hybrid molds. Jared Maben fits that mold. No, I can see that. Um, I, I can definitely see that as as far as as, as far as the his measurables and and what and what he can bring to the table. And it's a situation where you know potentially he could be on the cusp too, right? Because we can argue that you know we're 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 moving cornerbacks to safety, right? When they get to college, or or we're we, we've been trying this now. And um, we definitely, uh, we we definitely still don't have the depth at safety that that we would like to have. And so, um, if he moves into that dime type of role, um, you you have to wonder, um, you know, would he would he see the field? I mean, you you can argue that that between Ronnie Harrison and Hootie Jones and Sean Burgess Becker that there's enough depth there that he won't, that he will not, right? I guess that's kind of where you're going with that. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's enough players already in position, you know, and Eddie Jackson's coming back too, that, you know, I wouldn't pencil him in as a day one. I think he probably does redshirt. But I just I just see if that's the direction that we're going to go in the secondary, I think that he has the opportunity <clears> – <throat> He has the opportunity uh, to compete well. I think he was – I mean, I, look, I've read so many notes and, and stats and, and metrics on guys. I may have this a little bit wrong, but but it seemed like he's a top 15 cornerback, and so he was very well regarded. And so if and, and if, if his size allows us to take his cornerback acumen and do something just a little bit different with him, I, I think – and look, I'm not jumping him ahead of all of these other guys, but I think that would put him in position to have a very unique skill set. I think Eddie Jackson has a very unique skill set. And some of these guys I haven't seen, and so I don't know if they've got it or not. You know, Hootie Ingram uh, or, or Hootie, uh, uh, you know, Hootie Jones played. Hootie Jones, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Hootie Ingram. Uh, Hootie Jones played some as a, as a freshman, but – he couldn't find the field last year. And so is he going to, is he going to emerge this year and be who we thought he was going to be, or is he not going to catch up? Right. And we've had guys that don't catch up. Right. And so, well, which bucket is he going to be in? I don't know. Spring, he's going to be a top 10 question for me because that'll be his opportunity. But Jared is Jared, this Maven kid has an opportunity and I haven't seen him at this level either. I'm just saying, based on what I see, based on, you know, here's how I connect the dots. He just has an opportunity to come in with a unique skill set that 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 Ronnie Harrison doesn't because Ronnie Harrison's more of a true strong safety. You know, the Becker kid, we'll, we'll have to see, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think that I think he has a fast track to kind of insert himself into the mix. And when I say fast track, I really mean after a redshirt year. Uh, you know, as a redshirt freshman – Look out! You know he he may have a role in the two deep in the secondary. 
No, I can definitely see that after um, after he's had some time in the program. And Eddie Jackson uh, will be, you know, gone. So it'll be a little bit of time in the program, getting his sort of his legs and his system knowledge under him, and then kind of clearing out a couple of the guys that that are ahead ahead of him on the roster. No, I'm with you, man. Well, let's uh let's set up this next category uh, for the listeners, and and I'll after you set up the category, I'll take the first one. You got one more career achievement, or? You know, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's several. I think there's a handful of other guys that that we could still throw in there. Um, do you have one that you really want to get out there that jumps out at you? I think you got to go Jalen Hurts uh, at, at the quarterback. He's mobile. Uh, he might have to wait a little bit if if Barrett's gonna, uh, you know, uh, get the job. But I think he's he's someone to look at. I really like Scott Lashley, the lineman. And uh, Irvin Smith, the tight end. So yeah, I had one. <laughs> well, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't throw out uh, Jonah Williams too, man. He's on the I, list. I, uh, I I definitely um, I definitely think there's a handful of guys um, yeah. that, that we could throw out there um, for sure. Um, go ahead and set up the uh, next category. You know, this last category is is uh, and, and it's it's really just who's you know. I you know it's more of a dark horse impact kind of player. Who who's a guy that maybe just didn't fit real comfortably in one of the other buckets? But there's just something about this kid, uh, or something about this this prospect that uh, he's going to find a role at some point, and uh, and really has an opportunity to you know contribute uh, or potentially even uh, you know be dynamic. And so who's a guy that you just really wanted to say something about that uh, you know that we didn't cover in either of these first two categories? Okay. Um, well, gosh, you just ran through a lot of guys there. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done that then, right? <laughs> you should have you kind of saved that one. Um, well, this will be an easy one as well. Um, for no reason did he not get mentioned before, um, but we have to talk about the other really, really good get near to dear to my heart, and that's uh, Lindell Wilson. Uh, has nothing to do for his social media prowess, um, it has more to do with the the huge need um, because of all the linebackers that we are losing uh, to get this guy out of uh, Auburn's backyard, the little sister of the poor. Um, you know, comes in at a 6'2", 220. Some services having ranked the number one outside linebacker, some having ranked number two. I could care less as long as he's in the top five or six. Um, but um, this is a kid – that seems to fit the mold of the smaller, more athletic linebackers who can stay on the field on third down and uh, fill a role that we really didn't have last year. Um, We had to bring a Ronnie Harrison in and and play a dime uh, in order to get that and take nothing away from Reggie, take nothing away from Reuben Foster, but you and I were sitting in Arizona during that lovely, crappy fourth quarter game of up and down basketball, and we watched the fifth wide receiver for Clemson, you know, running the running the tongues off of Reggie Raglan and Reuben Foster because they were gassed. Um, nothing against them is because they were 240, 245, 250 pounds. So Lindell Wilson has a chance to come in and um and 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 try to to fill a need that is very important for us. And so I couldn't decide, 
I, I, I don't think he's going to redshirt. Um, I don't know that he's going to feel the need on day one uh, quite the same way, uh, quite the same way Ben Davis is. But I think when the first season's over, we're going to look back and say Wilson made a couple key plays this season that that we that we needed him in there for. I think that's a great pick, right? I think that I think that we do have more of a pressing need in the middle, uh, but we can always use another good outside linebacker. And I think that we do have uh, some guys on the roster, some guys that redshirted that, that can contribute at that position. But, you know, if Mac Wilson is as good as is advertised, then he'll step in and compete well with some of those other guys. And again, that doesn't mean he earns the starting spot, you know, from, from the jump, but if he works his way into the rotation, then uh, you know he he could be a, a contributing rotation guy, you know mid by mid season, and me, that that that'd be a nice place to be. Oh sure, and and here's kind of what I mean by that. We've had we've been blessed with some good linebacker play, but there's been only one C.J. Mosley. Sure, Reggie Raglan, right? His primary role was run stuffer. He showed the ability to put his hand in the dirt this year, rushing the passer, and did it exceedingly well. Okay, um, and and Reggie Ragland, congratulations for staying another year. Uh, you absolutely have become even a more well-rounded linebacker in your senior year. But if you look at several linebackers that we had on last year's team, they were really, really, really good at one or two things. But I would dare say that just due to measurables and their body and their makeups, you know, as you said, Coach Saban is phenomenal at situational starters, correct? Mm-hmm. We have lots of situational starters on our team that play Jack linebacker, Will linebacker, middle linebacker, or rotate around. And this kid comes in with the ability to add to his situational need that I don't think we've had enough guys step up and say, my number's called, I'd like to be that guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, as you were kind of stepping that through, I, you know, if you could have seen the grin on my face. So does, does Saban lay his head on his pillow tonight with the grin that says, in two to three years from now, today – I have signed a more athletic uh, Reggie Ragland in um, in Ben Davis and the next C.J. Mosley in Mac Wilson. Does does he sit back and say, "Yep, in about two years, I'm going to have Ragland and Mosley on, on the, the field at the same time"? Yeah. Yes. No, I can see that. I can absolutely see that sadistic son of a gun doing exactly that. <laughs> Who, right. uh, who, who, who's a player? That's a great, uh, that's great. Uh, you know, a great uh, sort of vision uh, for the you know this last sort of dark horse category. I, you know, I've got a guy um, that I'm going to put in this category that uh, that I am really excited about, and I'm glad that uh, I, I'm glad that his name. I took the gamble. You know, can we get this far into the show without his name coming up? And and I have been successful, and so this guy. His name was late brought up in the whole recruiting mix, right? And 
Uh, I think Saban even said that that he did not start watching film on this guy until after the national championship. And so this is how late to the recruiting mix this guy um, ha- has been. <clears throat> but we were able to secure uh, Joshua Jacobs, uh, you know, 5'10", 197-pound running back. And, you know, when I was kind of perusing the the, the final signees and, and kind of even, you know, through the recruiter, the, the, the recruiting, there was one player – there was one name that I was looking for. Where is the next Kenyon Drake? A very dynamic player that can make contributions in a lot of different ways. Where is that guy in this in this class? And there wasn't one. Not until today. Uh, he may redshirt, and so we may not see this. And, and you don't just go get a Kenyon Drake. You have to grow and evolve a Kenyon Drake, that type of X-factor uh, contributor, but at 5'10", 197, uh, an all-purpose back, uh, been used uh, a lot of success as a wide receiver as as, uh, as well as a running back. Joshua Jacobs, to me, is a dark horse, uh, and a dark horse maybe even to contribute this year, and I'll throw a name at you, and we spent a couple minutes on a podcast early in the year when uh, Kenyon got hurt talking about Xavier, Xavier Marks. What the heck was Xavier Marks doing on the field? Well, we were given looks to defenses in a way that, that that's how Kenyon uh, was contributing. And Joshua Jacobs may be that guy. He may be the guy that can come in and look, we've got we've got a Jacobs package with about, you know, five or eight plays that were given looks. We're forcing the defense to defend the whole field. You're gonna come in and 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 run a couple of these uh, through the course of a ball game and, and then evolve into even more over over his career. He's a guy that I'd I'd keep an eye on. Well, it makes you wonder. Saban said something like, you know, Burns showed him some some footage of the kid, right? Yep. And 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 um, you know, Burns even said he had seen him play basketball and how athletic he was, etc. And Saban was something like, we you know, we thought something might be wrong with the kid, yep. like, yep, like you know, what what's the deal? And you know, I got to tell you, man, as as I'm looking at some of these numbers here you know that you see the kid is listed as a you know two things that jump out me real quick for the listeners and forgive me if y'all have already spotted this but the kid is showing a 4440 yep now that might be fudging a little cuz you know let's face it only sure. you know only a couple guys ran under 44 in the whole NFL combine last year and he's listed as 4.40 but i got to tell you what jumps out at me at this kid is um, 2013, his sophomore year, he has 150 carries, 12 touchdowns, 1,300 yards. His junior year, he has 115 carries, 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. You're like, okay, what happened? Kid got, must have got hurt. He went down from 1,300 to 1,000 yards. 2015, dude, unless this is a freaking misprint, 179 rushing attempts for 2,704 yards and 36 freaking touchdowns. Are you kidding me? So the kid had 2,700, twice as many yards as his sophomore year on only 30 more carries and three times as many touchdowns. So for the kid's career, because he only carried the ball 55 times as a freshman, 
He finishes his career with 498 touches for 5,376 yards. So I'm sorry. Derek had November, right? No, no, I'm just thinking, dude, over 5,000 yards, and you had over 2,700 yards on less than 200 carries? Wow. I mean, and, and, you know, I kind of saw, you know, where Saban was talking, kind of talking about, you know, the process with this kid. And he said, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to find something's wrong with this guy. (laughs) You know, it's almost like I've been doing this long enough. You don't find this kind of thing. Uh, Why is this kid still available? Because it's like, okay, well, there's got to be something we just haven't found. Right. I mean, he's got some sort of something going on. And and he's an Oklahoma kid. Right. And he's from Tulsa. And he had an official visit with the Missouri Tigers on January 29th. And then he had an official visit with Alabama on the 30th. So I, I love you bringing this kid up. And this is another example of the rich getting richer. And that's just got to piss off the Oklahoma Sooners and the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, we're, we're going to go. Oh, we're going to go get this guy because we need an X Factor player. I mean, who says that? I mean, say that out, or out loud, right? I mean, who says that? Oh, we need a third down you know, specialist or something, you know, we need such a, we need this niche. Well, I mean, you know, some people are trying to build the left side of their line, right? <laughs> well, for the, for the, for the listeners, I'm going to butcher what year it was. So I'm not going to mention it, but I, I saw some stuff today quoting a Derek Dooley quote when he was at Tennessee. And, and you can probably remember this better than I can, but I guess he told the media up there at the time, uh, Coach Saban doesn't do recruiting class. He just drafts players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, the, no, I, I mean, it's true, right? And I read someone, I read, you know, someone talking about today that, you know, every, everyone else is recruiting and Saban is selecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Hey, why don't we? Uh, I like the dark horse, man. I, I like how we kind of evolved that into into sort of a singular player, and uh, I like what we did there. So that was fun. Uh, so, so just let's hit two sort of fast break topics. Um, what's the biggest miss? And so, obviously, we're not calling any of these guys a bust or pan because that's that's you know it's way too. And there's none of these guys that I think is a bust. Let's be clear. But it's you know that's not even the route we're going. What's the biggest miss in the class? What's something you wish we had gotten in the class? Maybe it's a specific player. Maybe it's a position. But what's something that had been would have been nice if we could have gotten this, but we didn't? Um, you know, I, I think probably the the biggest miss um, has to be. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the position, um, and I know this wasn't by design. Uh, the biggest miss has to be wide receiver. Um, I, I think Saban would have probably preferred to have another wide receiver. You mentioned running back. Saban even said today we're, you know, we've got one. I think he was quoted as saying he had one left and and that he even commented that, you know, the the skill positions have been very good to him as I'm paraphrasing, but the skill positions seem to be the positions where you'll have a graduate transfer. And uh a la what we just saw you know, Chris Black do, um, Saban's going to look to get him a graduate transfer, I think, at either the wide receiver position, because Richard Mullaney worked out so well, uh, or at the running back position. So if I had to mention a guy that I think they thought they were going to get, it would have to be A.J. Brown from Starkville, Mississippi, that was in Ole Miss's backyard that they were able to save. 
I, yeah, I think I, that's the kid that I think that's the kid that that if the truth be known, somebody signed today that would not have signed had he got that kid. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that he's certainly some somebody that uh, I thought we were going to land him, and uh, I, you know that's I, I, I wish we had, and so you know he's going to be like a look, you know he may be a, you know another Treadwell right where. Um, you know, he's, he's just going to have some success there for the Rebs. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of lament that, uh, you know, I'm going to say the biggest miss that, that I noted in this class. And ironically, it's the same miss that I, that I noted in the recruiting class last year. And last year I predicted that we were going to sign three tight ends because we just got so much, such a gap, uh, at, at the tight end position. And so we signed two, uh, but the biggest gap is really the third tight end not getting a big two hundred fifty, not getting a big body at the tight end spot, uh, a two hundred fifty plus pound, uh, you know, tight end, you know, two forty five, two forty, two fifty, something in that ballpark. Uh, and I didn't even see that we were recruiting. You know, last year there were a couple guys that we just missed on. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of folks that that we were definitely absolutely one hundred percent going after it would have fit kind of in the Michael Williams role. And if anyone at Alabama sort of celebrates the Michael Williams era, it's, it's us, right? You know, we need to meet this guy, but um, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get that kind of tight end uh, big guy in the program. No, no, I'm with you. Um, And it makes you wonder if Saban is, I mean, because you know that we've tried to do this in the Juco routes, right? And and we we've obviously experimented this with Ty Florney Smith, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes you wonder if he said, Okay, well, I've tried this in the JUCO ranks and I've tried to do this from within and um it's it's just not kind of working right now. Um and so it makes you wonder if he's going to continue um just doing from within his talented pool. Uh, to find no name guys that I mean, let's face it. Michael Williams was was brought in to to play defense, right? He was a defensive end, and um, he's glad that Coach Saban did what he did, um, you know, for him. Um, I would tell you, you know, the only guy, uh, even even the guy that they lost who flipped his commitment a couple days ago, Brendan Scales, uh, the Missouri kid that that stayed home in Missouri. Uh, he was only 220 pounds as well, and so um, you know he was he was listed as a as a guy that they thought they were going to get, um, but he even didn't fit the mold. And so to your to your point, um, it definitely makes you wonder: um, Are we trying uh, to go after that position with the full force that that you would expect us to do? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a reasonable question, but then you know, I don't know. Then you can then you continue to see the guys that we bring over and you know the the Brandon Green and the and the Dakota Balls and so, you know, we're still it's as if we're still trying to get that guy in there. And so it's that that's what makes me think that we're not not recruiting that guy. We just we just haven't found him. And Well, I also yeah. I also wonder Dave if uh um, also wonder if the 250, 260 guy just doesn't exist. Um, you know, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the top 30 tight ends from this year's class and, 
you know, our buddy, our buddy Kirby Smart signed five star number one kid uh, out of Florida, six four two thirty five. As I scroll down this list, Stanford's got a kid who's two thirty three, Ohio State two twenty eight, two twenty two oh eight, two twenty three, two twenty one for Clemson. I mean, I only see one guy greater than two forty, and that's the number two kid out of California that went to Michigan and he's six five, two fifty three. So yeah. I'm looking at the top thirty guys from this year's class, and only one of them, only two of them are greater than two hundred and forty pounds. No, so it just fair. might not exist right now. Yeah, that's fair. And and so, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, last year there was Will Gregg and and there was, you know, the Tyrone Wheatley Jr. And and those were both sort of plus size, you know, tight ends. You know, just I guess be more of an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that may be true. Right. You know, in fairness, you know, the Irving Smith and and, I, you know, Irving Smith kind of being a late to the party sort of commit because he was Texas A&M and decommitted and didn't know what was going to happen with them. I think, uh, I think him, I, I think there's a correlation between, you know, the Brandon Missouri kid and, and, and Irving. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, we traded. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, and, and so, but it, it, in fairness, right. You know, and it depends on where you, what services you look at. I've seen him listed as, as much as two forty, And so, you know, maybe that's the answer to the question. You know, maybe it's an maybe it's an Anthony Jennings, and we talked about him last year as as someone who and and the recruiting did too, right? That that uh, that he may be someone that ends up at tight end. And so, you know, if I'm if if I'm truly you know going to lose sleep over you know we didn't sign the next Michael Williams. Well, when we signed Michael Williams, I wouldn't have said we signed the next Michael Williams. Correct, because we that's signed correct. him as a defensive end, and so. That's correct. Uh, you know, it may be right here in front of me. It may be Irv Smith. It may be Anthony uh, Jennings. He may already be on the roster. It's just we've been missing that role for so long that you know I'll just be glad. I'll just be glad when we get it back. Right? <clears throat> no, no, no. I'm with you. Um, What's your biggest surprise? Just in general? Yeah. Just you know, recruiting recruiting day in general. I'm surprised that Saban was able to close with 10 guys in the last two days when he lost Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker on his coaching staff. I I don't care if it's a service that ranks him number one or ranks him number two. I don't think anybody out there ranked him lower as two. To go from nine to one or two on the last couple of days – in this highly competitive world, when you lose a veteran of your staff like Kirby Smart, who's been advertised, whose whose name has been advertising for for Georgia the whole time we were in the playoffs, right? Sure, sure. I mean, he wasn't wearing Georgia stuff, but by damn, the media kept talking about it. Sure. And so to lose him and then him take Mel Tucker, um, you know, who uh, was having some success recruiting as well, to lose those two guys at the end like this and, and close with 10 guys in the last two days to go from number nine to one or two, man, that's just pretty damn impressive. There, there's just no other way to spin it. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. And you know, the takeaway that I have from that is, is, is Saban's heart is still in this, you know, everyone wants to, you know, the media wants the, the media wants to, 
to to be right more than they want to get it right. And so they're going to continue to say the dynasty's over, the dynasty's over, the dynasty's over. In one day, they'll be right. You know, a stopped clock is right twice a day, right? So the media just wants to be that stopped clock. And if I keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it, one day I'll get to say I'm right. And so everyone says, you know, Saban's going to leave. Saban's going to retire. Saban's had enough. The crazies at Alabama are going to run him off. He doesn't want to stay. And you start thinking about, and, and, and so you start thinking about, well, when you see other programs, and for some reason, Bobby Bowden's mind, you know, pops in my head. It's a great example, dude. With the and Florida I, I know the age, you know, the age differential between Bowden and and Saban is significant, but it's less significant if you think about a Spurrier and uh, and Saban. And so, if you were to go back and sort of dissect when did those sort of empires start to crumble, well if you kind of were able to, to sort of, you know, pick it apart and look at it, it was when recruiting started to take a little bit of a slip. And so could someone have written the article if we had finished with the ninth best class that was starting to slip? Well, you could. I mean, people said the dynasty was over when we lost Ole Miss, right? And so another team could have the ninth-ranked recruiting class, and you could say they've got the best coach since sliced bread. And so it's all—it's all how you want to—you want to frame it. But if you're looking for what's that sort of chink in the armor, what's that opportunity where there could be slippage? It would be easy to say there wasn't that final sprint the last ten days going into signing class. And that sprint was there. And so if you want your if you want to sort of pick your story around, I'm looking for the the sort of the crumble in the wall or the crack in, in the in the wall. It wasn't this recruiting class. Well, you could absolutely have made an excuse, right? Sure. I mean, if you wanted to be that guy, which he's not and ever never will be, right? You you could have absolutely said you know, there were there were obstacles in our way with only 11 kids committed a week before signing day. Yep. And so I agree with you that the guy is driven by what he does. Um, it's not a job. It's not work to him. It's his passion. And he could do it 25 hours a day and uh, eat, sleep, and drink it. Yep. And, um, you know. We're just glad that uh, we're glad that he's here. Yep. Well, man, that's a lot of ground we covered. Uh, in all of this, is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that you just wanted to get out there that didn't that we didn't cover? Yes, I got something. All just right. thought, I just thought of it. Okay. First of all, guys, this is why we hope you enjoy listening. We hope you will get something today that you do not get on every other blurb that you listen to. And uh, you're going to get this great nugget here at the end if you're still listening to our show, which always runs long. Don't hurt yourself um, there, man. Man, did you love the story of getting the 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 great long snapper as a walk-on? Yes, and a kicker. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. There's another example of who am I? I'm Alabama freaking Crimson Tide because I need me a good long snapper and – I don't really want to use a scholarship on one right now. And you know, we're a dynasty and you'll come here because we're the best at what we do and you will fit in nicely to something we need. 
Right. With with the opportunity to earn a scholarship because of course. Of you know Plaza is on scholarship right now and and you know that was a year that we had more to give uh, than we've got now. But you know who's getting that scholarship when Cole graduates? Well, this kid will. Right? Absolutely, absolutely correct. And it's just it's it's another example of reloading at a position that nobody would think about. Nobody today, granted somebody wrote an article about it and God bless them for doing so, but that's one of those little things that makes this program what it is. Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, man, I'm ready to do a day now. They just need to freaking go take their spring break, get their butt back, strap it on, and let's do another show to talk about a day. Absolutely, man. There's probably a dozen topics that we could spend uh, we could spend some cycles on, so we'll have to see if we can uh, uh, record uh, record something and get it out there. But uh, talking recruiting is always fun, and it's always to kind of, it's always to me fun to kind of put a stake in the ground and uh, and then kind of check back and see how do we do uh, with these guys. So uh, you know, so we'll kind of keep note of what what we talked about, and uh, we'll revisit as the season kind of unpacks. But uh, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.